We would like to acknowledge the Ghana people and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the land on which this podcast is recorded. As part of the oldest living culture in the world, we draw inspiration from their deep knowledge of traditional foods, medicine and remedies. From the Central Adelaide Local Health Network, this is Research Pulse, where we discuss the latest world-class health research from Carlin and how it's contributing to world-class care. Today we're talking about integrating psychological care into in-hospital care for people living with inflammatory bowel disease, or otherwise known as IBD. Our guest today is health psychologist and researcher Taryn Laws from the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Taryn, thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Taryn, we're going to look at your work on the psychological impacts of inflammatory bowel disease. But before we delve into that, can you just explain, please, the disease and why it causes these impacts? Yes, so IBD isn't actually just one disease. It's an umbrella term for a group of digestive diseases. Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are the main two that you might have heard of. And IBD is, involves chronic inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract. So some of the main symptoms that people with IBD experience are things like abdominal pain, needing to go to the toilet very frequently, having urgency, diarrhoea, bleeding uh, and fatigue. And we call them relapsing, remitting conditions. So sometimes people experience times of active disease or disease flares and sometimes times of better health. But the course is really unpredictable and varies a lot between people. So in IBD, we we do see a clear link between the disease and mental health. Firstly, we see higher rates of mental health issues in people with IBD than we do in the general population. You can imagine with the symptoms I just mentioned that it can be very disruptive on a person's daily life. So for a significant proportion of people, it can take a toll on mental health. In general, we see about a third of people with IBD experiencing high symptoms of anxiety and probably about a quarter symptoms of depression. But that increases when disease is active, where we see about two thirds of people reporting higher distress. So someone with IBD is probably twice as likely to meet criteria for a diagnosable anxiety or mood disorder compared to someone who doesn't have a chronic disease. The more research that's done in this area, we do also see that the link is looking like it's going back the other way. So research has shown that people with IBD who are well or in remission with their disease, but who have high psychological distress, they're twice as likely to flare uh, within two years than those who don't have distress. So, Taryn, your research is focused on assessing the need for and the effectiveness of providing psychological care for people with IBD in a hospital setting. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Yeah, so with this particular research project, when I started in the role, there'd not been a psychologist in the service before at the Royal Adelaide. So right from the start, we wanted to conduct research in parallel with the clinical work to be able to evaluate this integrated care model. So we conducted a two-year prospective observational study. Within that, we introduced psychological screening into the service. We offered psychological treatment to people who did uh, need it and want it. And then we followed up after 12 months. 
So more specifically, what we did was we sent out questionnaires, screening questionnaires to patients ahead of their appointments or approached them while they waited for their appointments. Participation in the screening was voluntary, but we offered them some questionnaires that asked things around mental health, quality of life and medication adherence. And for anyone who scored above a clinical cutoff score on one of the mental health surveys, we offered them a brief assessment and psychological treatment if it was needed. The treatment itself was mostly done in the service in this newly integrated care model, but there was a subset of people who were referred externally to the hospital just because of preference, things like uh, living in a remote location. What were the key findings? So after 12 months, we had a look at the data and our main findings were that the screening process itself was really well accepted uh, because we had nearly 70% of the people we approached opt into the screening process. We also found that there was a high level of distress identified by the screening questionnaires with 55% scoring in high levels for anxiety, depression and or general distress. And even though screening is not a diagnosis, higher scores on these questionnaires do suggest a risk for a more significant mental health issue. And also, uh, we found that the psychological treatment was acceptable. We had about half of the people who scored in the high range accept intervention. So after that 12-month period, what were the patient outcomes? Yeah, so for patient outcomes, what we found over 12 months is that the group who scored high and accepted treatment improved across a range of outcomes. So we saw improvements in anxiety, depression, general distress, and mental and total quality of life. We didn't have a control group, so it wasn't an efficacy trial, but we did compare this group to the people who scored high but declined treatment. And in that group, there were a couple of small improvements in anxiety and general distress, but no other changes. And we also noted that that group had lower levels of distress at baseline. And the other important finding on this note was that the people who accepted treatment and received that in hospital were six times more likely to engage well in treatment than the people who uh, were referred externally. We thought that was quite important. I would imagine also there's financial implications for providing this sort of care. Absolutely, yeah. We were interested in having a look at that side of things as well. So we had a look at healthcare use and outcomes, including costs. So some of the findings we found there were that people who did score highly uh, at risk of mental health issues were nearly twice as likely to have presented to an emergency department in the previous 12 months compared to those without distress. We saw high levels of depression and general distress were related to increased odds of being admitted to hospital and there's costs associated with all of these encounters. And at 12-month follow-up, what we did see is that the people who accepted treatment in that group, fewer of those people presented to an ED in the 12 months after screening than they did before screening. So that was a really interesting outcome for us. And we had a look at what that translated to cost-wise, and it was actually a a saving of about 30,000 Australian dollars. So Taryn, what's the key takeaway from this research, do you think? I think the key takeaway from this project was that integrating psychological care into a hospital IBD service was very achievable, was very acceptable, it was effective and we were able to demonstrate that it was more successful when it was integrated, provided in service compared to when people need to go external for support. So I think our study and our findings really show the importance of integrated care. So Taryn, you've got to this point with the study. Where to next? 
Yeah, we're at, we've actually continued to do research in this area in parallel with the clinical work. It's actually motivated me to do my PhD on this very topic of integrated psychological care and IBD. So we're doing a couple of projects at the moment right now, collaborating between Carlin and Deakin University. And just recently, we've undertaken a pilot and feasibility trial of gut-directed hypnotherapy delivered virtually for people with Crohn's disease, which is really exciting because it's never been looked at before, especially with the virtual delivery. So we're still looking at the collecting the follow-up data for that one and we're about to start another study interviewing people with lived experience of IBD to find out what's most important to them for a psychological service. How do we tailor and design and target the service more so to their needs? And so I'll be starting that research project in the next couple of months. Taryn Laws, health psychologist from the Royal Adelaide Hospital, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this Research Pulse podcast. Not a problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Research Pulse. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to contact us, you can find an email address in this episode description. This podcast was developed by the Central Adelaide Local Health Network.